Welcome to Take Note. This is a podcast about keeping a little notebook in your back pocket, pulling it out when something pops into your head that you'd like to uh, record for posterity, and then you record it for posterity again on your podcast with your friend Adam. Hello, Adam. We are just drowning in posterity, aren't we, Ted? Posterity as far as the eye can see. Well, uh, every time out, we start out uh, sharing what we've put down in our notebook recently. Uh, so, Adam, what do you got? All right. You're out here. Uh... Hey, let me let me stop you for a second. What are you writing? In? When, which, which book are you writing? In well, here? I am almost finished with a Field Notes Abercrombie and Fitch edition uh, that is a craft notebook with uh, black ink all over it. So it looks like a black notebook, but it's printed on craft paper. Really love it. Been uh, working on it for about a month, and I'm still using these uh, Pilot Precise V5s in blue. Um, but uh, I don't know. I slowed down in this notebook for whatever reason because I was really speeding through the last one. You but... were you were maintaining a blistering pace the last time we spoke. Yep, and then I stopped because I'm, I'm writing a story in it, actually, and I think that kind of like slows me down because then instead of... Every time I'm about to write like just a little random note, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm working on that story. Maybe I won't interrupt. Well, you it. don't want to. You don't want to block it up. Yep, exactly. You don't want to block it up. You start from the back. That's one little tip. That's a good idea. Um, all right. So here, I wrote down here. I sat down and I was I was sitting outside a closed coffee shop in Logan Square, um, and I sat down to write the story, which I then worked on but before i did that a man in a blue windbreaker middle-aged man in a blue windbreaker walked up to me sitting outside this closed coffee shop they had kind of like a bench situation that was you know available to me um and he offers me a buddhist chant on a business card he, he goes oh here we've got the here's a buddhist chant do you do you want it i was sure and he goes after i take it and he's got a like a happy customer he, he says yeah it's a really good one. <laughs> uh, and the chant, I wrote it down in the notebook. Nam Myoho Rengi? I don't know. Kyo. Nam Myoho Rengi Kyo. Haven't, haven't gotten a chance to uh, give it a try yet, but I hear it's a Chanted. really good one. That's what I've heard. What do you got? I was uh, checking out at a uh, thrift store. I've been known to frequent... Uh, guy in front of me also a gentleman of a certain age <laughs> he probably had a nice plaid shirt tucked into his jeans and maybe he was wearing some weekender crocs uh cashier goes to uh to put his 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 wares in a big plastic bag no no i i don't want a plastic bag it'll end up in a whale's mouth or something <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed that moment what do you That's got out? All right. <laughs> I am reading um, Dependency by Tove Ditlefsen. It's the third book in the Copenhagen trilogy. These books were, these three short memoirs were written in the late 60s, early 70s, um, and recently translated into English, and they're fantastic. And the covers of the books are great too. So you can get it as a, I think, one hardcover with one cool. Uh, cover designed by Na Kim, or you can spend twice as much, get three paperbacks, and you get three cool covers de- designed by Na Kim. I bet you can guess what I did. Um, but uh, there's this this very take notey sort of quote in the book. 
And I realize more and more that the only thing I'm good for, the only thing that truly captivates me, is forming sentences and word combinations or writing simple four-line poetry. And in order to do this, I have to be able to observe people in a certain way, almost as if I needed to store them in a file somewhere for later use. And to be able to do this, I have to be able to read in a certain way too, so I can absorb through all my pores everything I need, if not for now, then for later use. That's why I can't interact with too many people and I can't go out too much and drink alcohol because then I can't work the next day. And since I'm always forming sentences in my head, I'm often distant and distracted. Uh, good book. Recommend it. Uh, three depressing memoirs, but uh, <laughs> they're, well, I, they're really good. I, I, I was vibing it and, and sort of agreeing with it until the last part, but you know, I think you know, you're working on a story right now uh, I think when you're engaged in a creative pursuit and you are in that antenna up mode where where you're seeing the world through uh, through the filter of that project, it can be it can be a very interesting and satisfying place to be. Uh, now, should you let it whittle away at your uh, social life until you're you're sitting in your your living room, uh, worried that you'll have to talk to somebody. Not going to go that far. Yep. Well, this is uh, this book is called Dependency, which you know is not the title of a cheerful memoir. Uh, kind of sets the uh, sets the, the tone. Uh, the some of the <laughs> the adjectives on the back are mordant, dark, um, <laughs> blisteringly honest, um, <laughs> and she died five years after this was published. So okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wanted to give everybody a little warning and not not cheerful books although in i think book two when world war ii like arrives just in the middle of her life it's like the beginning of one chapter uh it's like hitler does something takes over uh, invades somewhere in the middle of one chapter. it's pretty exciting when uh like the the human history crashes up against the intensely personal i like the books but uh they're dark what do you got ted i'm gonna i'm, well, I'm gonna take the chance to do a quick plugged only because i listened to it this morning and and my wife and i are absorbing them but the bbc did a podcast series i imagine it was for a radio program of some sort that they published but it's world war ii witness something 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 around a witness and it's a little nine minute um packaged kind of radio style stories on little aspects of world war ii the one i listened to this morning was uh a young British girl who had to flee Paris when, as the Germans invaded, went out to the coast and then had to travel south with basically, you know, the roads packed with people in slightly terrifying circumstances. But really well-produced, um, really well-produced segments if you're interested in that topic. That reminded me of it. Anyway, um, on a similar note, I was at a AAA baseball game in suburban Houston, and I was reading some of the some of the rules and regulations before headed out there. Uh, so I'm quoting the website here for the uh, the Sugarland Skeeters. Quote: Our favorite green mosquito mascot Swatson will be present during games, but due to COVID-19 safety protocols, he will not, under any circumstances, give high fives, hugs, take close quarter pictures, nor touch fans in any form. Unquote. Uh, and this is me writing now. Not 30 seconds after we entered the ballpark, Swatson buzzed up to my two kids and gave both of them a gigantic high 10. 
Swatson rules. Swatson rules. What do you got, Adam? All right. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was standing outside uh, the elementary school waiting to pick up my kindergartner. When uh, it was a Friday, so uh, the new principal was playing DJ, and uh, the most god awful song that I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life came on. And at first, I mistook it for like Christian rock or something. Um, and it it took a little googling, and what I discovered was that I had never in my life heard Wing Chung's Dance Hall Days until that very moment. Uh, I had I somehow lived a satisfying life uh, without that gem and, and the strange thing is is that now the awful song is like haunting me i've heard it on the radio okay. twice since then it's only been a few weeks and uh every time i hear it i like i'm like why how why has this reappeared and i google it to try to figure if there's some sort of cultural moment if wang or chong has passed away and i can't find anything um and i hate it yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> uh, can you do a few bars for me real quick? Dance all, dance all day. I don't know. It's, ugh, it's rough. I, I don't, don't know, know, man. It sounds pretty great. <laughs> Doesn't that sound that. good? Dance all, dance all. They say dance all a lot. There's a thing where I thought they were saying something about Christ, but it was something I don't know. Oh, it's a rough song. Do you know this song? No, I have no idea. Oh, fantastic. Oh, it says, one of the lyrics is, we were cool on cries, which sounded like we were cool on Christ. Well, so you you were obsessed enough to actually check the lyrics of well i had to figure out what the song was first you know principles in your head man oh 1980 maybe this is end end of school year uh uh revenge on parents for some reason no this principal loves this song i'm sure and just to uh cover all my bases i am writing in i'm actually writing in uh two field notes debtor prints from the recent run uh, that are rubber banded together because I started using one, which is one of the ones with lots of designs all over it, including uh, someone named Kurt on the front, which doesn't appear to be Kurt Cobain. I don't know what other Kurt it might be. And the other one is the uh, tip of the space shuttle. So oh, it's cool. actually two pretty distinct debtor prints, but I've rubber banded them together so that I can Pretend like it's one notebook and that I didn't start one in the middle and start another and then I'm, I've Frankenstein them. And so what you do together. with that and is I'm, you run the you you run the rubber band up the like the center spread, right? Is that how you do it? Of to both them of together? Them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of like a Midori Traveler's notebook on the cheap sort of a thing. Yeah, it's a good move. Which it's a fun technique even when you are. You know, sometimes I'll finish a notebook, but I've still got notes in there that I I need or to-do lists or something and so i'll i'll strap the old notebook to the new one and kind of create that little transition time so i'm just uh i'm transitioning early in uh in this particular case you should take I'm some photos with... and uh put them on the block maybe i'll do so i'm writing with a uniball air which i got at the uh the new uh kitso kuyone I'm sure I've butchered that store uh, out in, also in suburban Houston, but it's a it's a uniball. It's I would compare it to a, uh, to a Vision Elite. It's in that same category, kind of lays down a lot of ink, but just a little bit of a different barrel, and more of a kind of a conical, 
uh, tip that actually looks really cool. It's got kind of a space age vibe, but you know, it's a it's a disposable, affordable pen. I really like it. It's a heavy line, but uh, the ink, like all Uniball stuff, is super high quality. I'm enjoying writing with that. Doesn't always work so well. Bleeds through a little bit on the field notes page. And I've been using a uh, General Cedar Point pencil, which is a 2HB, and that thing just refuses to get worn down. It, uh, it's like it's like writing with a diamond. I sharpen it once every three <laughs> weeks. Uh, it's it's at the Steinbeck stage, and it just refuses to leave that stage. And I God, I want to move on, but it's now become a personal mission of mine to uh, to to get that thing down to a nub and and move on with my life. What is it again? Yet. General Cedar. General Cedar, yeah, it's a natural pencil with a black eraser. I think it's well known for having a, a high quality one. eraser. Yeah, uh, it may, it may they they tucked one in I think into one of the CW pencils, uh, boxes. At yeah, one point. I I'm I'm pretty. I was just trying to remember if it was the one that I I think Caroline Weaver recommended that one to me at CW Pencils, the one and only time I was there. When I feel I feel cursed by it now. So. <laughs> I'll get there. I'm working my way through it. It's like I, sh it's it just won't get dull. I'll sharpen it and use it for an hour, and it hasn't dulled at all. And I'll I'll sharpen it again just because that's when I would normally <laughs> sharpen a pencil, but not because it's dull. It's things still could still uh, open up a, an Amazon box with that thing. Nice. Before we get to uh, our main topic tonight, uh, if we could just cue the music for our signature segment. Sun is hot. Life's Pressure's got you down If only you had a little something To wash it down Sick and tired Of all your half-baked theories It's the Love that one. I do have a quick summer beverage series for you. Um, awesome, it's summer. It is. Oh, summer is upon us. Yep, yep. I just wanted ready to... for it. Ready for an amazing beverage recommendation from my old pal. Well, this this is this is a beverage anecdote. I was sent to the store to pick up a Fanta Pina Colada. Um, really, I was sent to the store to get um, some money for the T W O T H F A I R Y. Um, and while I was there, I was encouraged to buy a Fanta Pina Colada by my wife because she saw it at the store and resisted it a week ago. I returned with a Fanta Pineapple because I didn't have a Pina Colada. And, and the look on my wife's face when she just, she didn't even want to ask if I'd misunderstood. I, you know, it was the wrong thing and she was trying to play it off like, oh, yeah. okay, thanks. Anyway. Did uh, you get the T double F O wife F L O five O? Five? The T W O T H F A R Y money. Yes, I did. I yes, I did. T W O. Two people listening have slowed it down to point two five speed so that they can understand what you're saying. But I don't have that luxury. T W O T H F A I R Y. <laughs> the double O is what moves it into uh, the pure cryptography component, and clearly, I. Uh, I, I'm equally shielded from uh, yep. from bursting 
bursting the fantasy there. Figure it out during editing. So we <laughs> we've got a uh, we've got a topic tonight. Indeed. We we're gonna. And t- it's not just your marital strife brought on by <laughs> slightly misinterpreted beverage instructions either. That's right. That's right. No, it was. It wasn't misinterpreted. It was the. Um, it was the hope that I hadn't misinterpreted it, which I hadn't. It's just unavailable. You know, the Fanta, Fanta Pina Colada is a seasonal item. All right, we are going to talk about the music of Wes Anderson films. And uh, behind the scenes, we have been talking about doing this, but not actually doing it or doing any work towards getting it done for, I don't know, a month or something. Um, but now I think we've familiarized ourselves with um, all the movies. I'm obsessed with a lot of the music. I think maybe you are too. And mm-hmm. you've suggested that we do this draft style. So tell me why, draft, and then let's debate drafted. how this works. Well, so my, you know, ranking is kind of your traditional thing. But I think for two people to kind of have a parallel ranking process would be awkward. Mm. So a draft is a way to uh, harness the power of capitalism to uh, to use competition <laughs> as a way to elevate the conversation. But uh, so, so I, you know, a draft to me is a way of, of, uh, of saying, here are my favorites and here's what, who I would draft first. Now, I did want to reflect for a minute before we jump in on what it is that makes Wes Anderson's soundtracks, his film soundtracks, so fantastic. I jotted down a few notes. Um, maybe maybe see what you think, Adam. Um, the first thing I wrote down is, is that a soundtrack, uh, perhaps more than an album by a single artist, can present like a super wide emotional range like uh like it, 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 every song can be doing something different on a soundtrack and it's okay because you know your your brain associates it with whatever narrative the film has provided and so even you know I think even if you're not directly thinking about the film your your brain is prepared to hear like just a like a whole sweeping range of of songs and stuff and i think um wes anderson plays with that perfectly you know like the, his scores are so uh, you know the stuff that mark mothersbaugh does is so unique and care and and lives on its own uh and it's you know it's instrumental so there's lots open to kind of interpretation and and you know they those scores always meld so well with the you know the songs the existing recordings that he folds in um but in a way that you know he's he's created enough of an artifice that it all seems to tie together even if it's going in a lot of different directions yeah i I don't have a good answer as to what makes his soundtracks and scores so good and what obsesses us both about them, uh, except, you know, beyond probably excellent taste, I guess. There is amazing, you know, some of, amazing taste. Some yeah. Of, yeah, and and some of them really do rise above a typical film score um, yeah. in interesting ways. I think that some are interesting... Uh, rise above typical film soundtracks in interesting ways. I think maybe some of them 
you know, some of them are fine and thin, and also uh, some of them are so good that a few can be very good and can potentially, I think, will end up at the bottom of our list or the bottom of my draft, uh, even if they're very good because so many of them are excellent. Um, well, one of the I things mean, that think I think about it, w- would you even, would you even put any other film soundtrack even in the same ballpark as one of his? Well, Quentin Tarantino's the other guy who does a really good job at this somehow. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. I mean, but he there's does, no the... original. There's nothing original in a Tarantino soundtrack, right? Well, there is. No, there is. Um, I mean, Ennio Morricone did um, the Western with Samuel Jackson that I'm blanking on the name on because I prepared oh, okay. for You're a right. uh, I haven't gone Wes back Anderson to, I haven't, discussion. I haven't uh, gone back to the new stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And just, but he also his music choices, Quentin Tarantino's like song choices, really to work honest they achieve something that wes anderson does too they really work together really well and they don't seem like you know like i don't know do you remember the crow soundtrack like the crow soundtrack had some good songs on it but it somehow doesn't you know it doesn't rise above just being kind of a playlist that's that's another example yeah that was a playlist and i think of pulp fiction you know the pulp fiction soundtrack was uh, I mean, I guess what was a transcendent about that was the use of dialogue that really just like sealed some of those iconic scenes into our brains forever. Yeah. Um, but there was there wasn't the level of um, like you you can't hear this anywhere else. Like Wes Anderson, you know, there's enough original score that is also not just kind of rising and falling classical music. Like I think that's part of it too for Wes Anderson is like and mother's ball it's so you know they create sonically even the score music is super distinct and interesting in and of itself which i i think that's pretty rare and Uh, you know for me i listen to film scores a lot so um i like you've you've set me up here well i do i just we listen to film scores a lot me into a trap we uh yeah one of the I, I got a fantastic compliment from my wife in the last few weeks where she said that I fill our house with um, you know, music and classical music and jazz music and, and she loves having our house just filled with this music and uh, it's like the highest sort of compliment because in a way uh, that's, yeah, that's very much what I was trying what I'm always trying to do and uh, the, the other day some uh, just this week some music was playing off Spotify while my older son and I were reading and the younger son walked into the room and recognized that it was the music from the BFG. So we, yeah, yeah. We we listen to a lot of film scores, but these are, these rise above, uh, all of them. And one of them I listen to more than almost anything else. So let's get into it. How are we going to do this draft? All right. Well, it sounds like you're, uh, you're positioning yourself for the number one draft pick already. Um, which maybe it sounds like you're perhaps the number one seed. So, although typically in a draft, the uh, the stronger uh, entrant uh, picks last, so that the the weaker uh, <laughs> go. We could do it. Ha- the, I'm ha- fine to do it that way, or we could do a random number. Well, I already know which one you're going to pick first, and it's not my first pick. Well, so, so I'll go first. I'll go first. How about that? Um. Well, it seems like you're the stronger one if you know what I'm going to pick. Well, now, now I'm feeling good because I feel like I've thrown you off your game a little bit. You seem a little discombobulated. 
Uh, we should clarify for the audience that there are no stakes and that there no, nothing will follow the draft. <laughs> that we will actually that we will not be pitting uh, these soundtracks in groups against the other. Okay, I'm uh, flipping which, a coin on the internet. Uh, I've got a random number generating one or two. What's your number? Two. One came up. I swear. Okay. <laughs> All right. First pick: Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, you shocked me. See, yeah. I didn't even. I wow. Yep. You totally threw me for a loop. I thought you were going to go with your Sunday morning special. We'll get to that later. Yep, absolutely. All right. Tenenbaums. Um, Van Morrison, Paul Simon, Clash, the Rolling Stones on the soundtrack. And I think we should actually clarify that we are going with the music that is in the film that is not necessarily always on the commercially released soundtrack because it's really hard to figure out. Some of the soundtracks are no longer available and you're stuck with online playlists so whether they were i thought i don't think the rolling stones appeared on the soundtrack but it was uh in the film uh it's this is the one that i think is the playlist that rises above just being a playlist it does the sort of thing that you were suggesting where there's this emotional resonance for different characters that can somehow match up with uh yeah all of these different songs and um yeah this is the this is i think of the soundtracks by far the greatest one, which is why I was kind of angling for first pick. Nice. Um, I think, I, I think Tenenbaums, you know, I think this is true for, for at least, you know, maybe my top four of his favorite films that I've watched over and over, but Tenenbaums, there are those moments that are so closely related to a particular song that, Again, even if you're not imagining that scene in your mind as you're listening to that soundtrack, you're experiencing the emotion of the film scene as well as the song. Like, uh, I mean, I think of, what is it, me and Julio down by the schoolyard when they're racing around with their grandfather, mixing it up, throwing a brick through the other guy's windshield. <laughs> it's, and it's just, I love that scene, and then, therefore, I the the emotional resonance of that song um just does even more uh and i think of uh, nico's song too the these days yeah which, oh man that yeah that's just an amazing scene i know that um i know that she i've learned from the tweety show that she is problematic and we should think of that just as a jackson brown song i don't know why she's problematic uh, actually well, i've got one a of guess, these days but, we'll but, one of these days we'll figure it out and we'll come back and edit this segment out of the podcast it seems like i shouldn't make wild guesses as to what she <laughs> what the offense was i'm like 90 percent sure i know what it is but yeah <laughs> all right well what's your first pick well so i mean in classic draft form i'm 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 really uh, stressing about what my pick should be because I've got two that are really vying for it. Um, but what I, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I wrote down on my uh, my notebook here and go with the Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, one of my uh, you know top two favorite of his films. I like it in a sense even more because other people don't tend to like it as much. So it it it's lodged itself into a, a cavity in my heart. Uh, and then the soundtrack kind of, you know, performs that same role. I think um, I'm going to struggle a little bit to recall if, if Mother's Ball is the composer on some he of the was, ones I'm thinking yeah. of. But um, like the song Ping Island, which is really just uh, doop, 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 do
like it's a little electronic song but it, it again it it's so connected in my head with the scene and the feeling of the film that it's just like and it's wordless and it's not it's original and it it just makes me ha happy every time i hear it um but the other th amazing thing about that soundtrack was Seu George playing mm -hmm. all those Bowie songs which i mean there was a good year where that just I could just turn that on at any moment and it would just bring waves of, of uh, contentment over me. I think it's just an undeniable and amazing component of a soundtrack, not only to cover Bowie songs, but to have this Brazilian, you know, troubadour playing his classical guitar, totally stripped down, doing his own versions of those songs and including those as a you know, major part of the soundtrack. And then later kind of learning, if I recall, it's been a while, but he would just, I think maybe you told me, I don't know, sit around set just playing these arrangements and like showing Wes Anderson his arrangements of the songs and just blowing everybody's minds. And uh, to me, that's like uh, so beautiful uh, and so so interwoven with the mythology of the movie and yet stands completely on its own and has the magic of Bowie mixed in there too. Amazing stuff. I listened to that. It was playing all the time in our college dorm. Um, my buddy Arish was the one that really uh, pushed that one on us. Nice. Um, or maybe he was just pushing... Uh, I, I always heard his name pronounced a different way, and now that you've said it the way that could be correct... I cannot understand. I can no longer recall the way that I've always pronounced it in my head. But actually, Arish might have been a fan of his before. Um, Arish was a fan of his before the movie came out, and maybe we were yeah. hearing that. Before, maybe it was even before. Maybe that album wasn't being played in my dorm, but other albums of his. That was number three on my list. And actually, right. so when you suggested that we do this as a draft, I started really overthinking it too, and I really wanted to throw you off your game. <laughs> and I was actually going to just take Life Aquatic first because I knew I could take uh, your number one from you. Didn't have the heart to do it. So I took um, my number two first, the Royal Tenenbaums, um, because I wanted to I wanted to get some high-quality picks in there. And I knew that you wouldn't pick my favorite, and this will be my next draft. I, I do listen to it every Sunday morning or almost every Sunday yeah. morning. I'm not a lunatic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel score I was sure that was going to be your number one it is my sure number one i just i knew that i didn't need to take it uh, uh first wow. round yep strategy yep yep i decided that if you were going to bring sports to this cultural discussion I, I was going to try to meet you uh, <laughs> I, <love laughs> I wanted to meet you where you were at um this is uh by alexander desplat it is perfect um <laughs> it is it was actually i don't know if you remember it was a Originally, I tried to use a sample from it as a take note sound of uh, the take note opening theme. Uh, I don't know mm -hmm. if that actually made it into the first episode or two, or if we just bailed on that in the test episodes. Um, but I, um, you know, it's hard to know what to say about s a score like that, except one of the mm -hmm. things that it always makes me wonder is if how much or if at all most film conductors want their music to exist outside of the film because mm -hmm. I, I think great scores can 
excel outside of the film. And I think there's something about this score that is unlike some of the other scores that Alexander Desplat did for um, Wes Anderson's films, which it evokes the film without, with, with, with being a sort of a completely different thing. Like it doesn't yeah. fill you with some sort of cartoon in your mind of yep. the film necessarily. I agree. Um, well said. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. Well, what, what I love about your description, you know, the, the Sunday morning-ness of it uh, makes me happy. When I listen to it now, I think about your relationship to it. And it's such a, it's a pump-up <laughs> soundtrack in a way that you would never really think of it, like big booming yep. drums and chanting, you know, just all this kind of like energy to it. You know, I you know, and and for all I know, that's hundreds of years of tradition. You know, in some particular culture, uh, but that just you know, I have never accessed anywhere except through this soundtrack. But it's just there's something so vibrant about it, and yeah, I I love it. You're you're exactly right. It it doesn't evoke the kind of specific scenes in the way that Life Aquatic and Tenenbaums right. do. One, one of the things I think about all the time is that um, I mean, we play this, it's it's playing about every week in the house, if not more often, and my kids have heard it a million times. And the, the, uh, I think this is the least appropriate Wes Anderson film for children. Maybe, mm. I don't know, maybe Royal Tenenbaums. But, um, yeah, you know, I know that somebody like loses a hand. I, I don't know. It's pretty dark. It's, it's a dark oh, yeah. Wes Anderson film. And I just love the moment in know five ten years when my kids see the movie <laughs> and and um hear that music that is uh has filled their lives and it's the, sort of the smell you know, the smell of an omelet the yeah. smell of an <laughs> omelet cooking on the stove will fill their noses and they won't know why <laughs> right right <laughs> all right super what's your next one well, my next pick is the is the uh, the soundtrack that was vying for my number one pick, and that, of course, is Rushmore, um, which will always, for me, be the the proto Wes Anderson. That will always be what uh, it'll be the the movie and the soundtrack that 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 uh, calcified in my mind as what Wes Anderson is as a filmmaker and a sort of a arbiter of taste and music and style. Uh, and you know, the opening chords of the opening song, uh, which I think, I, I mean, I'm going to forget off the top of my head, but it's, did, did, did. I think it's maybe dun, 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 It like is so seared into my, uh, my my sinus cavities and the passages that connect my ears to my eyes and my nose and my mouth like it's just deep in there um and every song plays that way and uh i mean i've always i've loved rushmore since the minute i laid eyes on as a film and the, the music i think did everything that we're talking about now I don't think it, you know, I think he's obviously honed his craft. And so it's not, it doesn't maybe do it the best. Um, you know, the scenes maybe aren't as, you know, wrenching as Royal Tenenbaums or as kind of 
action-y and Bill Murray-ish as, as Life Aquatic, but they are the kind of the seminal um, experience of those. You know, I, Schwartzman walking slow-mo through the the hallway <laughs> of the hotel after he's, you know, all like they're just there for me. Um, I've read, I Rushmore was filmed in in Houston. It was filmed at my high school when I was in high school. I there's you know kids I went to high school with are in the film. Why weren't you um, in the film? Well, I I didn't want to get up early on the Saturday that hmm. they said, oh, there's a movie uh, going on something something. Now, of course, hindsight being twenty twenty, uh, Daniel Tibbetts got up at seven a.m. and that guy Dustin in the ROTC <laughs> got up at seven a.m. and they got to be in this uh, movie for the rest of eternity and i i slept in i guess um but i have a i don't know rushmore just holds a very special place so the the uh the soundtrack just kind of ties into that too and i think it i think it does what we're talking about the combination of a unique score and amazing you know i mean i think in terms of wes anderson having such good taste you know he he I think maybe this is on Tenenbaums. I'm going to forget which one it is. But he he picks the Rolling Stones song, but he picks the B-side that's just as great as the hits, but that some, you know, some 20-year-old kid has never listened to every B-side of the Stones. So it and I think Rushmore is similar. You know, Faces is on there, which like you've heard of Rod Stewart when you're a kid, but you don't even I didn't know what Faces was. It but Ooh La La is an amazing song. And I've played it on guitar ever since, and I, you know, every time it comes on, it makes me happy. I still don't really know what faces is, but I like, <laughs> I just love it so deeply. And he he surfaces that kind of thing, um, just kind of exposing you to to a different the B side of life, which is often just as interesting as the A side of life. That's my that's my second pick Rushmore. Right, Rush, what's your Rushmore was lower on my for my draft pick just because I figured that I, I kind of felt well I guess there's two reasons. First I felt like uh Royal Tenenbaums was doing the same thing that Rushmore yeah, does playing the same position and doing that. it a little yeah. better. So once I had Royal yeah. Tenenbaums I didn't need Rushmore. And then if I'm just being completely honest I had I spent less time uh checking in with rushmore as we were preparing for this one so i could be making a big mistake no i think i I think you are right and that's kind of what i meant is like it 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 does play a similar role um perhaps not quite to the effect i mean they're different movies but all right what's your uh what's your fifth pick of the draft uh fantastic mr fox which is available on two albums Uh, and this is the alexander de score with um also with a jarvis cocker song jarvis cocker Mm -hmm. of pulp i'm a big fan of pulp um that that is one that that one does create the cartoon in your head which is the a little different from grand budapest where you can visualize i think a lot of it um and it's it really feels like the movie at all times it feels like this little adventure um yeah i think this is the first Wes Anderson score that really obsessed me, and this is probably where I learned about uh, Alexander Desplat. And um, my kids, in listening to it, are convinced that uh, it was the music from Charlotte's Web. So it was playing in the background, and uh, Logan asked if this was Charlotte's Web, which it's not. But it occurred to me that I wouldn't be surprised if there was like some sort of Charlotte's Web music reference 
tucked into mm-hmm. right they're very much the same sort sure. of uh movie or that you know the kids have seen both movies and got them mixed up or something like that but that that well, i think that's... you know Go ahead. this is the first on our list that that gets into i would say kind of you know kids music or or family music that has that certain you know frivolity to it and fun and and you know jingle jangle yep this is all and i you know i think for that reason it it holds a special spot now i which um brings me to my next pick incidentally in a in a thematic sense which is the darjeeling limited soundtrack um which is probably you know one of my well it's not my favorite i can barely remember what happens in the film (laughs) but the 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 soundtrack is is rollicking and and really brings the jangle and it's got some weird old europe vibes to it and it you know it's a lot of music from from india and all you know different traditions and that is actually the one that um really was kind of the family favorite in our house you know i think uh, the one that really sticks out is the typewriter song and we just listened to that hundreds of times as a family and we just you know we're all bobbing our heads and bipping along and you know that film has almost or that soundtrack has zero resonance for me for the film i don't i i don't know that one you know it it it's it's a a vapor in the distance in my mind but the uh the soundtrack is just a rollicking um good time so i, I think for us it it serves a little bit of that same role i really enjoyed learning about this one it is a lot of it is a mixtape of indian film scores a lot of the music on the score for darjeeling limited are tracks from scores from uh, indian films and films made by merchant ivory which i'd heard that name before without ever knowing what merchant ivory was and it i I looked it up it is a it it was a film production company an english film production company that made most of their films in uh, india um and uh yeah, but just the idea that it's this... I mean, I kind of love that idea that Wes Anderson says that he got interested in India from watching Indian films, and that's part of why he wanted to make the movie. And then he just kind of creates this, um, you know, a mix of the music that he liked from yeah. those Indian films and used it in his own film. I think that's great. It's a great introduction to Indian mm-hmm. films. It It's like a great... Um, a great way of referring to some of his favorites so you can find them, even though maybe they're not his favorite Indian films, but they're his favorite Indian film scores. Um, and it reminded me of, uh, there's this documentary called The Story of Film that maybe we've discussed before by Mark Cousins. It's like a 15-hour documentary that is, uh, you know, a history of film, but really about the whole world of film, really focus, uh, tries to avoid focusing on Hollywood. Like, there's much less Hollywood in it than there would be in any other film of that type. And... Uh, it reminded me of the um, large sections on Indian films and also on Chinese films because there was talk about how um, the shots, I know in Chinese films and I think in the Indian films too, there are just certain shots that are different. Like filmmakers would um, place the camera in different places. And so it made me want to go back and watch Darjeeling Limited and try to, I, I wonder if it's out there. I wonder if he is not just using the film scores of other indian films but if he is um inspired by uh, the ways that indian filmmakers shoot their films differently 
So uh, yeah. I'm going to learn right. about that. A jumping off point kind of a soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. All right, wh- what's your next pick? Well, mine is Isle of Dogs. Uh, right. most The most recent Wes Anderson film. Again, Alexander Duplat. And it's filmed with uh, Tycho drums. And uh, again, this is one that... Uh, for for me my kids love hearing it i love playing it like when we're driving um Mm -hmm. it bangs and it thuds and 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 this is another one where i i think you can really you know you're not thinking about dogs really when you're you're thinking about (laughs) japan you know you're thinking about japan when you uh -hmm. you listen to this one so this is one though that unlike the others does not get played as often because, and I think this is a compliment, you know, not a, a lot of, um, a lot of this music can fade into the background and can be great music to work to. Like Fantastic mm-hmm. Mr. Fox is a great music to put on if you're having like a, if you need a little pep in your day, but also like a little jolly in your day too, mm-hmm. when you're getting some work done. And, uh, and, um, Isle of Dogs is not like that, I think, because of those drums. I mean, you, certainly you could, but it's not as effective as me. It doesn't fade to the background, but, you know, music shouldn't necessarily fade to the background. It's not, you know, it, there's different things happening with these scores, but no one's expecting, uh, like, no one's expecting Alexander Duplat to make um, uh, music that you can ignore, you know. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, it's funny. I kind of disagree uh I I am known to work uh, to Isle of Dogs. I think you know the the kind of the the fact that there's no words in it makes it something I can work to, and the 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 vigor can get me kind of in a zone. Um, and the drums. I mean, I really I, I tend to categorize this one with Grand Budapest Hotel, where it's you know it's working out of some distant traditions. Um, but they both have that kind of energy within whatever, you know, whatever sound language they're working in. And I mean, I love that one. I think it is, it is a little more aggressive and a little more specific. Um, but it is, it's, uh, it's great. And, you know, I think as we get into these soundtracks of, of the, the Wes Anderson films, I haven't watched as much. Um, it, there are different kind of, the connection to the soundtrack changes. And this is one, I think I've seen it. I, I think I've seen it once. I mean, I own it, but I, I never quite throw it into the Blu-ray player and watch it again. I I enjoyed it, but it's not, it doesn't have that super personal connection. And I think that shows for me and my connection to the soundtrack. Well, this is, for us, this is one of the two that uh, we watch, have, the, the kids have seen. So we've maybe watched this and fantastic mr fox more than any of the others oh okay interesting um you got one more there right you gotta either choose between moonrise kingdom or bottle rocket yeah and for me it's a toss-up it's uh this uh the scrawny little kid who walks with a limp and uh (laughs) would rather uh draw cartoons uh uh at the base of the basketball uh hoop rather than uh rather than take threes from outside the line i honestly can't even think what's on either one soundtrack wise so go for it you can take both of them for all i care okay well they were my bottom two also um and but the moonrise kingdom 
the thing that that's got going for it really is that it, the, the film actually begins with the music, the young person's guide to the orchestra. Wow. I, I think it begins with it. You know what? By Benjamin. That's Britton. a great, you're right. That is a, that's a great, that's a great moment. I do love that piece of it. Good and point. I, I really like this movie actually. So, um, you're saying that you don't actually care for the movie as much either? Not particularly. Okay. Um, I, um, well, so I, I like the movie. I've seen the movie a few times, but, um, I wonder if I can find it here. One of the things that I always think about with this movie now is, uh, A.S. Hammer is this film critic that I like. He's got one book of film criticism. It's great. Um, and I'm going to read to you the entirety of his review of Moonrise <laughs> Kingdom. Okay. Making a film featuring the music of Benjamin Britten and a, and a biblical flood so you will get the chance to see a 12-year-old girl dancing in her underwear is a perfect example of going the long way around the barn. And the barn is the perfect color. <laughs> I think of it all the time. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what happens in that movie, but uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I don't d totally disagree with that, right. that review. Yeah, there's moments like all of his movies. There's moments I enjoy, uh, but the the film as a whole, I mean, I think, and not that this needs to become a bash Moonrise Kingdom, but it, uh, of them, that one feels the most forced to me. Like there's moments that are that feel like uh, uh, dollhouse set scenes, kind of going too far. You know, just the stilted stilted way that you know. Some of his techniques that he pulls off really well in other films, for whatever reason, they fell short for me in this one. You know, and, and I, my favorite, my favorite parts of the movie are just Bob Balaban staring silently into the camera, uh, and the rest, <laughs> you, the rest you can have, as far as I'm concerned. And I think that that movie, like, that, that's a movie that, like, uh, like a teenager would or like maybe you know just just about to be a teenager like a 13 year old would just delight to discover that movie and feel like I'm maybe sure. they shouldn't yeah. be watching it and it would become their favorite thing ever yeah. that's sort of what yeah. it did feels like to me um yeah. well i've got some notes on bottle rocket which i guess goes unchosen uh <laughs> you know that was so he was working with mark mothersbaugh then um mark mothersbaugh has also done music for uh, Thor Ragnarok and um, and most recently I think the Mitchell Mitchell's versus the Machines, which I don't know if you've seen. It's a delightful yeah, cartoon. Great. I mean these these soundtrack maestros. Uh, what's always amazing is how many films they do. Yep, I uh, oh just tens upon tens upon tens of movie one after the other. And so Mark Mothersbaugh went from Devo to. I, th I think he did some films, a uh, film or two in the 80s, and then was doing music for The Sims, and then did a bunch of the Wes Anderson uh -huh. movies. Um, yeah. Alexander Duplat, I was reading about him. Um, I, did, I tried to find a lot of interviews with him because I realized I hadn't, um, you know, I really, I play his music all the time, but I hadn't, I, you know, I, I start to become curious when we're thinking about the scores as to like what it's like to really make these scores. He has, he's got credits on 100 films. Um, amazing yeah it is just amazing and he is like the go-to guy for you know right now wes anderson he'll do the next he's done the score for the next wes anderson film in fact there's an interview where he basically says like he saw the whole thing two years ago it's completed and it's <laughs> the best yet you know um and and i guess we're timely this is the new wes anderson film french dispatch yep. is about to premiere at con 
Couldn't be more excited about that one. Yeah, wow, we found a news peg for this discussion at the end of it. Every time out, it seems like old Wes is like, let me let me tickle every one of your little pretentious uh, nerves at the, uh, the end of your fingertips uh, until you just can't not come and see this movie. So with a, a magazine, you know, French, it's got all the, you know, Chalamet. What more could you ask for? Chalamet, isn't it, huh? I forgot about that. That trailer came yeah. out so long ago. Well, it uh, did. Uh, yeah, I've sort of forgotten the trailer even in the meantime. In the interview that I read, he's uh, Alexander Desplat. I must. I mean, have I pr- pronounced his name a different way every time? I hope. Um, <laughs> he he said that um, that there's more happening in this film than in any other Wes Anderson film, which is amazing to think about. And then he yeah. clarifies that he doesn't mean on like some sort of deeper level. He means like shot for shot in each shot. There's more happening than in a typical awesome. shot which just and there in grand budapest hotel there was a lot happening. right right yeah <laughs> yeah i just i mean i grand budapest hotel was made in 2014 to me it feels like that movie came out nine months ago and you watch it and it's just there's there's something so fresh about his movies and and so something just he hits this strikes this these chords that are just remarkable um, Strikes these chords. Well done. I see what you did there. I feel lucky to be living in the time that he's making new work. Let me put it that way. Yeah, and he's from my uh, he's from my uh, my neighborhood, neck of the woods. Is he from Houston? His, his mother is a real estate agent. Uh, you see her name on uh, on uh, signs in front of houses every now and again. Let's see if we can get her on episode one twenty two work on it all right buddy let's do this again next week what do you say do the same thing the draft of the yes okay sounds good we're doing it again all right one more time around now (laughs) now that i know your your strategic approach uh check us out on the internet we are at take note dot space some more uh stationary related photography and content over there for you to dig through uh check us out on twitter at twitter.com slash take note pod over the website uh, there's a say hello form give us your favorite wes anderson soundtracks we'll look forward to hearing from you take care